Who is Jesus? What is he doing? And what does it mean to follow him in the world today? My name is Matt Lewis. This is the Follower Podcast, and everyone is invited to the conversation. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Follower Podcast in our series, Saturate. If you're not sure what Saturate is, uh, real quick, we've got the series going on where we're in a time in history where we have this massive opportunity to rebuild the kind of world that our Bible talks about, that our faith helps us dream about. Um, And one of the ways we can do that is by recognizing that the Spirit of God is moving us away from this kind of meeting mentality. Not that meetings are unimportant, but we're shifting from this place where we thought it was all about just gathering in a building. And now we're moving to this place where just like Jesus talks about being salt and light in the world, we have this opportunity to infiltrate all the different spheres of society. And so what we're doing in this series is I'm having a conversation with people who live out their faith in different spheres of society. um, And they see their particular place of work uh, as their mission field. This is the place that they believe God has called them to be and to serve. And today we have on the follower podcast with us, my very good friend, Dean Cottiel. Welcome, Dean. Hey, Matt. Thank you so much, bro. How are you? Yeah, I'm really, really good, man. And uh, it's really, really good to have you on on follow podcast. And, and yeah, thanks for making the time. I know you're busy with everything that's going on. You've got no shortage of stuff to do. So I really appreciate you being here. <laughs> it's, um, it, it is honestly my absolute pleasure, man. Um, thank you for the opportunity. It's a, it's a privilege to do that. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, if you don't know Dean, um, you'll get to. <laughs> uh, he kind of he works in... Um, he'll tell us a bit more about this as we go, but he works in the kind of bridges the gap between the world of church and the world of media and communication. So very involved in that space. And really in a lot of ways, I would say in terms of the people that I know, Dean is really leading the way in a lot of the thinking, at least in the spheres and the circles that I'm a part of. So really excited for what he's got to share. Uh, Dean, I was thinking a little bit about our first encounters as I was preparing for our conversation today. And I was thinking how far yeah. back our friendship goes. I actually don't know. I can't, I don't know how many years. I don't know if you know the years. I was actually also doing the maths. It's about 14 years, eh? Hey? 14 years that we've known each other. That's crazy, man. And then uh, I think, Dean, when I look at you then and just over the years, things I've observed about you, I think you are, you're an influencer in the truest sense and not an influencer just in the superficial sense of how many Instagram followers do you have of which you have many, but the point is uh, you've always been this kind of person who is not afraid to step out and take the big risk, think the big thought, dream the big dream. And you have this ability of bringing people with you. I think that's really, really great. And one of the things I've always learned from you is that you really do love people. You have this desire for people to really flourish. So you have this ability to kind of not use people for things, but use things for people. And I just love that you have that skill about yourself. And one of the questions that I thought would be helpful for our audience listening, and one of the things I'm also genuinely interested in is the kind of life that makes that person. So I guess tell us a little bit about the world that made Dean Cottiel, Dean Cottiel. How did you grow up? Where are you from? Give us a sense of your background. Yeah, um, yeah what makes Dean Cottiel? Um, you know, we, uh, I, I try and think about that on a regular basis to try and make sure that I'm... Um, keeping myself accountable to whoever I think God is making me on a daily basis and whatever that means moving forward. 
I mean, I must be honest, I hope this doesn't sound ridiculous, but to hear you say, like, Dean, I think you're an influencer, um, is actually a surprise to me. Um, because if I was completely vulnerable with you and your audience, um, my, my, my deepest fear is that I actually don't fit in, that I actually don't belong. Um, and, and what I've had to the self-awareness game and the coming to grips with who I am in God and Christian game, um, is, um, is that there is a part of me that leans into that in the communities that I find myself in, because I know that I don't want anyone else to feel that way. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. So a large, a large part of my personality, a large part of who I am, um, was birthed in that place. Um, before I, you know, 18, 19, I think we met, I was 19 or 20 years old at the time. Um, and, uh, we've kind of gone from there. Mm. And in that time, a lot happened. You, uh, you got married, you have two little children running around. Tell us a bit about them. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we, uh, my wife, uh, I met Alzan, um, when around the same time, 1920, um, just for some brownie points, she was my boss. Um, so, um, I dated my boss and, um, yeah, we got married, married quite young, um, as to kind of world standards. Um, she, we were 21. I'm going to lift this up so you can kind of see there's, uh, there's Daniel and Alzan. Beautiful. And there's us. Is that, uh, was that first picture on the best beach ever in the history of the world ever since the beginning of the That is the best beach in the history of the whole world. Sardinia Bay right here in Port Elizabeth. Yeah, that beach. Um, and, um, we, um, yeah, I got married, um, uh, in George, you were there, you sang, you led worship at our wedding. With um, what is arguably the worst hairstyle. In the hit, you sent me a picture of that the other day. I was like, "What?" We have photos, bro. Actually, we have photos. Happened. Oh my gosh! But have you seen my hair at my own <laughs> wedding? It's equally as special. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, back to the beautiful wedding and not the bad hair. Let's get back to your podcast <laughs> and not um, lose people there. Um, uh, yeah, man. So you know, I finished school um, and actually had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. Um, mm. Um, so I went to England for six months, played a bit of rugby, and then came back to Benoni. Metals on, we got married. I got my honors degree in theology and then was ready to kind of literally become a minister, you know. Um, uh, and um, plans kind of changed a little bit. Um, there wasn't real space to kind of grow in the Methodist church at the time, and the timing wasn't really on. Um, my wife was finishing her master's degree in psychology, Mm. and um but my time at the methodist church had kind of ended so um i took a swing in the dark and um, applied for a teaching position at a school um and that lasted 18 months in that 18 month period um my um and it's weird to say this my instagram life took off uh, that kind of sparked a big thing in me. I, I started off with a few hundred followers and then that kind of landed me in a few thousand. And then 
um, it just really took off. Um, we got a few, a friend of mine, Craig, um, and I got a few international jobs and that really set us up. Um, and so I had, we had our own little business for about three years. And then that journey led you to the place where you are now, where you kind of using that media skill set that you developed over this time, but in mm. the church world. Tell us a little bit about that work and what you do there. Yeah. Um, you know, when I, I, I do every part of me, I didn't ever think I would be back in the church. Um, honestly, I um, had, the, had the greatest job. I uh, was doing a lot of traveling, was all over the place, free meals, free plane tickets, five-star hotels, um, massive, massive clients from Huawei to BMW to tourism boards in Europe. Um, but one, one Sunday morning, I'll never, ever forget, my wife and I woke up and I just said, uh, I think we need to go to church today. Um, and uh, we ended up going to Father's House Church, sang along, had decent coffee and went home. Mm. Um, that evening, though, based on the meetings that we had with a few people, um, this, the lead pastor, uh, George, George Giorgio, um, actually DM'd me on Instagram and said, hey, how's it, man? I heard you were at church. Um uh, I would um, love to have coffee with you. Um, and I was like, yeah, okay, let's go for coffee. Went for coffee that Thursday, what was supposed to be. And I remember, do you remember me sending you that voice note? Yeah, I remember. I was actually, I was note? in the airport. I've been, I, actually, interesting, I've been praying for you just the day before. And I was in yeah. the airport waiting to catch a flight because I was coming back from something I was doing, I can't even remember, somewhere. And I remember getting that voice note and I actually remember sitting in the airport and just being so grateful to God because I could hear what was happening in your heart off the back of that time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, that was a two, two and a half hour conversation with George. Um, about two or three weeks later, he offered me a job as the creative director for father's house. Um, it was a very significant moment and yeah, yeah, we are just about, um, um, November will be three years. Crazy. So going on about three years, it's a, it's an incredible, incredible combination of all the things that I, I genuinely love in the world. Um, uh, media and ministry um, somehow living together. Yeah. And bro, underneath all this, so we've spoken a little bit about your external and, and the things you do and the journey that got you there. But underneath all this and animating that is your friendship with Jesus. And um, mm. I know that's not like a cut and dry thing for you. I know that's been uh, an up and down journey. Give us some insight into that. Who is, who is Jesus for you? What does that look like? Yeah. Um, up, up and down is, um, is a nice way of putting it. <laughs> um, when, I, when I started to reintegrate into the Christian community, uh, because God, God can do something in your heart, but it takes other people a few weeks or months to kind of come to grips with what that thing looks like. Um, so, so God's, Salvation is always personal, uh, but it takes a while to be filtered into the community. You know, Paul had his um, kicked off a donkey moment, but it took some time for the other oaks to go, okay, jeepers, okay, there's something happening. There's something going on here. Yeah. Um, um, so when people used to ask me what's going on, where are you in this world, why, why is this happening, um, one of the big things is Jesus is one of the most frustrating people in the world. 
It's annoying, <laughs> relentless in his absolute love for uh, me. Um, so good. And that is deeply, deeply annoying. Yeah. And that is deeply, deeply calming and satisfying. Um, and so every part of me wants to day by day, minute by minute, breath by breath, come to grips with this love that this Jesus has for me. Um, and in turn, this love that he has for my neighbor. Um, uh, and, and so one of the fundamental things for me is um, Jesus is, one, is the kindest person I know. Mm. Um, and if you can show me somebody kinder, I would be really interested to have that conversation. Yeah. Um, but he is the kindest person I know, and that, that drastically influences the way I go about living my life. Yeah. Um, yeah. He has been so, so good to me um, and the people in my life uh, that I honestly don't know where I would be without him. Yeah. Um, and so that is the, the posture of my heart. That is the um, attitude of my spirit as I live my life um, that I would love as he loves me. Yeah. And I think one of the things I love about you, bro, is that um, you haven't allowed anything to go wasted. And so God brought you through this journey that would have seemed from the outside to be this kind of wilderness space. In some ways it was, but in that way, in that place, you picked up the very skill set that he would then use in a later space yeah. uh, for you to give voice to really some of your vocational purpose in the world. And I think what I love is, I mean, we were just having a conversation now about how you see the digital space as a kind of tabernacle and your desire mm -hmm. really is to use the digital space to host the presence of God, you know, so tell us a little bit about that thought. Yeah, I think it was about, um, it was a few weeks into me having been at church and a few weeks of me being in the space at church, um, where I, I try to kind of get these creative team nights going, these creative just gatherings of things. Um, and we um, were sitting there and then just started talking about the, the church and where we kind of see the creative world going. Um, and, and George just kind of leant over to, to me and said, what, what do you think? Where do you think this is going? Where do you think the creative world is headed? Um, and I'll never forget the moment as it's as if I got hit by an absolute truck um, that um, God um, showed Exodus 31 to me. And it feels like I, um, I sound like a broken record every time I bring this up because I feel like people, um, when we get into these sorts of conversations, I genuinely believe that this is fundamentally um, needs to be our starting point whenever we get into any of this stuff. Um, is the basic question of who was the first person in the Bible to receive the Holy Spirit. Um, and there, there's, to a certain degree, lots of debate around who we think it could be. But if we follow the trajectory of the scriptures, we see in Exodus 31 that God says to Moses, see, I've chosen Bezalel um, and I've put my spirit on him uh, to do creative works. Um, and if you follow through the passage there, you see that it's to do 
um, work with gemstones and work with fabrics and uh, to build a tabernacle and to build a temple. And he goes into lots of details around woodwork and, and as if it happened yesterday, this moment hit me in my chest um, that, that God's spirit, if we were to push that piece of scripture up 2,000 years, um, that God's spirit is on us to live in that creative world. So if we were to use different language, you know, people who work with fabrics, who are they? They're designers. They're interior designers. They're fashion designers. Those are creative worlds. People who work with wood or gemstones um, or gold or silver, you know, these are, are creative people. Um, and if we go into uh, the Hebrew, he has another little part of history, part of the little nerd that lives in, in me, um, is the Hebrew of it there is the, um, uh, the Ruach Elohim, the Spirit of God. Um, and that phrase, those two words together, the Ruach Elohim, is only found in three places in the Hebrew scriptures. Um, and, the, uh, and two places it's used to describe the spirit of God that is on Bezalel, a few chapters later in Exodus. And the only other place that it is found is in Genesis 1, when the spirit of God hovered over the waters. It is the same. Oh. It is the same spirit that was there at the beginning of creation is the same spirit that was on Bezalel, is the same spirit that is on each of us Come on. when we come to grips with what it means for us to create. Yeah. Um, and so fundamentally for me, I believe that we were created to create. Um, all of who we are in God's image, that Imago Day, is we were and have been created to create. Mm. So as designers, as influencers, as Instagrammers, as Zoomers as the kind of thanks to COVID, everybody's Zooming now. Mm. Um, we have been created to create. And my first and foremost prayer is God, allow me to come to grips with what it means to have your spirit on me as I create. So good. So good, bro. And, uh, and so that's your journey and you're kind of walking this road and it's business as usual and you're following the path of God and then COVID-19. <laughs> right <laughs> I don't know about you bro this came out of absolutely nowhere for me and it's turned the world upside down but I see the yeah. I see the hand of God in it I can't help but see the hand of God in it I think we're living in unprecedented times where yeah. we're standing on the cusp for those of us who have eyes to see we're standing on the cusp of the opportunity for real renewal within the life of the church and through the church to the world. I think we can genuinely, if we are intentional about it, if we don't just allow ourselves to drift with the current of the norm again, I think we can build something beautiful uh, in, in the yeah. wake of this. And um, speaking now specifically to people who are listening to that and going, yes, that's my desire. I'm inspired by all this. Give me the spirit. Give me the, give me the, hit me with that Bezalel stuff. I want to use my influence and I want to use my creativity and I want to be a part of what God is doing off the back of COVID. Um, maybe share some thoughts with us that may be helpful to those people who find themselves in the sphere of the communication and media and that space. Uh, and I really love that picture that you give, bro, in terms of thinking about this as building a tabernacle and then filling it with the presence of God. Give us on two levels, 
share with us about your personal journey and how you're navigating this just as a person in your friendship with Jesus Mm. that may be helpful for people in that space. And then share with us vocationally. So as a creator, as a communications person, someone who's an influencer within the media world, what are you seeing? What opportunities are you seeing? What calls, what responsibilities, uh, what big steps of courage and guts do we need to have to step in some new directions? Give us just some insights into your thoughts there. Yeah, I, I think this is something that not only came way out of left field, um, nobody was prepared for this. Nobody saw this coming. Um, I th- you know, I think there's large degrees of fear and uncertainty for a lot of people. Um, South Africans in particular, I, you know, I think we're, we're day 12 of a lockdown. Uh, I think we're seeing Europe and America come to grips with obscene numbers around what this thing is doing to hospitals and states and closures to universities and schools. And um, I, th- I think there's lots of fear and anxiety that's currently running around. Um, loneliness and depression was a thing before we were told to self-isolate and stay at home. So I think so many people are experiencing a lot of those fears and anxieties. And, and um, um, so myself personally uh, here at home, um, there's lots of fear and there's lots of anxiety and even chatting to family and chatting to friends. Um, there's just uncertainty around where to go. What are we going to do? Where does this thing end? What is our president going to do? What's going to happen to the RAND? Um, you know, lots of that sort of talk. Um, but I, but I, must, um, I must echo what you said there. Um, I, I do see God doing something here. Um, there, there is, let me, I mean, let me take a step back. God didn't do this. Sure. Um, it, it wasn't a God moment. God is not punishing anybody. God is not forcing his hand. God is not a, a whip or a ruler at the top who's now forcing people to do certain things and is, is not punishing a particular people group. Um, but in the midst of this chaos, um, I do believe that it is our responsibility to, like you're saying there, eyes to see and ears to hear, um, God, what are you doing? Yeah. And what is my responsibility in this space? Yeah. Um, and so um, in the midst of all of that, um, objectively, I don't think I've ever spent three weeks alone with my wife and my family. Yeah. I saw an interview of... Um, uh, I think it was, I stand corrected. Maybe some of your audience can help us in the comments. Um, I think it was Virat Kohli who had an interview with somebody who said the longest time he's ever spent together with his wife was four or five days together before he had to go to another cricket tournament or training camp. Yeah. Now they're sitting on week two or three where they've just been together. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. (laughs) That's incredible. Yeah. I've, um, my wife and I have never spent two weeks alone together at home. So come Thursday, that'll be our two weeks. And we've got another week together. Um, for, for me, that is a wonderful thing. Um, yes, I'm tired. Yes, I'm frazzled. Yes, I've got more work than I know what to do with. Um, the days are long. The hours, Daniel is up first thing in the morning and guns blazing. Um, 
but I do believe God's doing something here mm. um, in me, and I do believe God's doing something in the church. Um, of the amount of conversations that I've had with people who three weeks ago people were going, should we be doing online? Should we be an online church? How do we do this? Should we buy a camera? I don't know if we should get a camera. Yes, listen, we're there now. Um, yeah. yeah. I think it's Carrie Newoffer said um, something, I'm paraphrasing here, crisis has this ability of um, slingshotting people forward. Um, and um, in one of the podcasts I listened to that he was talking about on, on his blog is he was saying COVID has slingshotted the church into the digital age. Yeah. Almost as if some people were like, nah, it's not going to stick around. Now we shouldn't do this. Now we should do We're all there now. Literally, yeah. we're all there. Yeah. Um, and so from a church point of view, we, we need to reimagine. We need to be re-inspired. Uh, we need to come to grips with a new way that God is doing it. And I was actually typing a blog post now before you called of, uh, in Isaiah where God uh, streams in the desert. Uh, see, I'm doing a new thing. Um, Isaiah 43, help me. Yeah, um, I think it's 43. I read it the other um, morning. Isaiah 43, 19. Yeah. Um, I'm doing a new thing. Um, and the image there that I got there is a lot of us feel that we're in the desert. A lot of us feel that so much has been taken away from us. A lot of us feel that our hands are now tied. A lot of us feel that we haven't got our freedom or we can't get out or we can't do things the way we used to do things. Um, and I genuinely believe that God wants to show us rivers in this wasteland. Yeah, um, that what we perceive to be desert dry places that God actually wants to show us rivers. Yeah. Um, that if we have eyes to see and ears to hear, uh, there is a river in this place. The interesting thing about deserts is we don't dream in deserts, do we? Yeah. In deserts, we think, hey, this is the end. There's, uh, uh, in deserts, we're actually about um, minimum and minimalistic kind of mentality because I need to make sure that I can make it to my next meal. Or well, just to this like survival instinct, yeah. Proper survival mode, proper panic yeah. at the disco mode, and actually more panic, no disco. Yeah. So we're actually <laughs> just all about trying to figure out how to make the next 10 minutes work. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I actually believe God wants to open the shackles and go, no, 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 check this out. It appears to be a desert, but let me tell you, there is a running river here in this place. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think that's I, my sense just to really get on that is like, I, I, I just so with you, bro. And, you know, not minimizing the suffering, hardship, difficulty of any of this. It's real. It's terrible. And I'm with you. And, uh, you know, this is, this is not the hand of God bringing judgments on the world. Uh, no. This is something that happened in China that is now spread across the world. And, but God is in the midst of it. And I think yeah. there's this almost counter cultural positioning indexing inclination of the christian in this moment that in spite of what they see around them is informed by another voice within them and when everybody else is shrinking back i think this is the moment for the church to step forward and, and trust that when we do we'll find the manner you know there'll be the provision he's going to give us enough but we got to have i think that audacity to trust him and step out when maybe a lot of people are stepping back because I think there's that opportunity yeah. in the gap there, you know. You know, the history, the history nerd in me, um, you know, 
if we jump back 500 years to give or take the 1600s when the Reformation took place with Wesley and Calvin and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, um, we often think that it was just a move of God that took place when um, Martin Luther did the thing. But if you deep dive a little bit further into the idea that took place there, um, one of the major structures that actually held that entire thing together was technology. And what not a lot of us actually know is that it was the printing press. Yeah. That for the first time, we could actually print um, tracts of the Bible to hand out to people. Yeah. So they translated the Bible into German and then handed it out to each other. So here's a question to your audience, to you, to me, to the people, whoever is listening right now. With the use of technology that we have at our disposal right now, how are we going about reinterpreting, reinterpreting the scriptures and the gospel for the time that we find ourselves in right now? We have to answer that question. Yeah. yeah and, I think, to. and I think what's, what's really exciting for me around that is, you know, like <clears throat> the printing press made possible the propagation of the gospel in that sense. Yeah. Mark Sayers, yeah. uh, he writes a lot about, and he's been talking about him and John Mark Comer, this cultural moment, all that kind of, that school of thought, those guys. He talks about how the Roman road network was the network that yeah. enabled the gospel yeah in the time of Paul. It was the Roman road. They built the roads. Exactly. So the infrastructure yeah. existed and then the spirit hijacked the structure. Exactly. And how yeah. now we live in this world where we exist in this global interconnected network of access. Dude, think, how I might the spirit be hijacking? Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah man. Um, we, we have to be brave enough to step into that world. We have to. Yeah. Um, and I think what, what, what I've been learning from you, Dean, in our conversations, I was actually having this conversation with a friend of mine, is, is to try and understand the digital space as a space in and of itself. Because sometimes what we can do is we can see our phones and our computers simply as a window to the physical world, instead of realizing that the digital world is its own environment. And so yeah. when we're starting to think creatively in that space, we actually have to think Digitally. So in the same way that if I was going to minister in another continent, I would learn the culture yeah. and I would do the missional research. And then I would adapt yeah. to be uh, missionally, uh, contextually relevant in that space. So I'm not going to minister in China the same way I'm going to minister in South Africa because they're different kinds of worlds. In the same yeah. way, this world, it's like a new continent that exists, you know. Yeah. And we're seeing this particularly with Gen Z guys at the moment, like there's very little divide in their consciousness and practical terms between the digital space and the physical space. And so how do we enter into that place in a meaningful way that actually builds and is constructive in, in internet land? Do you, know, do, you, do, you, do you see what I'm trying to pick up on and maybe unpack that a bit? The, um, the, the digital world, I, I see more clearly every day through my son who knows how to use an iPad and knows how to use Siri. Like it, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And Daniel is three. So if I take the necessary steps back to try and see that world from a 33 year old's point of view, 
Um, and I take all of that and I go back to the year 2010, to the year 2000, to the year the 1900s, to the 1800s, to the 17, all the way back. And the golden thread that sticks through all of that is the story of grace through Jesus. Come on. Yeah. Now, my question is to each of us once again, is if the form is constantly changing, in other words, if the content is always changing, what is remaining constant? If and the that's content the story. or the context? No, the okay. content. Okay, so do, give us the difference in terms of what you mean between content and story there. So the content of it from a, a production point of view is it, it can be paper or it can be a okay. movie or it can be a um, whatever. So you mean, any so you're meaning medium there, a medium, what's our the medium that holds the story. Yeah. yeah. Medium that holds the story there. So for a very, very long time, people used to believe that content is king. Sure. In other words, the, the, the cameras and the, the filming and the lights and the billion dollar budgets and the how many books and the et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I think we would all actually believe, uh, and be happy with believing that story is actually king. Yeah, I get it. That we've all actually walked out of a movie theater that had a billion dollar budget and it was terrible. Why? Yeah. Because the story was terrible. Right. The content was amazing. I mean, like explosions and, and cars that roll down hills and transformers. And, <laughs> but the story was terrible. Yeah, yeah. So my question is, how do we tell that story using what we have right now? Yeah. In that digital world, how do we go about translating, dare I say it, as um, Martin Luther and John Calvin, they had to translate yeah. from one medium to the next, from one medium to the next, from one medium to the next. And so how do we go about doing that? Um, uh, and maybe there's a part two to this conversation in terms of figuring out what it means to pull those things apart for our context and our communities. But that is where the work comes down. That, that's where the work needs to happen. For each of us, there is going to be a personal experience that takes place. But we have to be brave enough to ask ourselves what that community looks like. Um, and if I may steal something from psychology and um, actually stealing this from my wife... Um, is that in psychology there is an idea of when we post anything to social media, we have an imagined audience. So big question that I always ask churches is who is your imagined audience when you post anything? Is it the believer? Is it the unbeliever? Is it the mature Christian? Is it for growing? Is it for development? Is it for evangelism? Is it for teaching? Is it for training? Is it for inspiration? Is it for invitation? These are, these are ideas that we need to come to grips with as we tell this story, mm. this gospel of grace. Mm. Um, so yes, uh, to steal a Casey Neistat quote, we all have the upload, the same upload button. Yeah. But we have to be brave enough to figure out who's our community and who's our imagined audience here as we do that. Yeah. And I think in that sense, bro, you've just absolutely nailed it because I think the shift that needs to happen, particularly in this sphere of society. So 
in some ways I feel like I occupy this sphere a little bit, <clears throat> not to the degree that you do, but, um, but I think it's a place that I kind of dabble in because I think one of my primary roles is to be a storyteller. And yeah. the reason I so believe in story is because stories build societies, right? Your family, your life, your city, uh, the world that we live in, these things are informed. They are undergirded by narratives, stories that we draw our ethics out of and our morality out of and build our heroes in and, and the yeah. telos points, the things our ambitions are built towards. All of these things are the product of story. And so whoever has the best story changes the world, right? <laughs> that, that's the key. And I think what I'm learning at the moment when it comes to, the, to communication, media, the digital space particularly, is that we need to shift from simply um, uh, <clears throat> updating the next status or uh, advertising. And we need to stop thinking about it as some kind of digital flyer, right? What we need to move toward is understanding that this is a medium for narrative. And we need, and here's the beautiful thing. I believe when you talk about imagined audience, we're moving into a world that is going to be in the midst of a deep grief and mourning. There's going to be a lot of mourning. There's going to be a lot of grief. There's going to be a lot of confusion off the back of this. And I think one of the great needs is going to be the need for hope, right? And so our commu- the, the message, we have the best story on the planet ever in all of time as the church. Yeah. And if we have the medium, the existing network of the internet to tell that story, then I just feel yeah. like we should be doing everything within our power to get that story into the hands, hearts, minds, and lives of people who are desperately in need of the hope that it carries, you know? So to go back to that meet, that um, movement thing that you were talking about, instead of um, meetings, rather moving to, did you say movement? Yeah. Yeah. That thing? That thing, yeah. So, uh, often when it comes to the social media world, I often talk about three layers that exist within that world. Um, and um, they, they're kind of not that they're degrees of comparison, but they exist simultaneously, but there is a hierarchy that exists within them. Um, and what we do is we, um, there's three layers. The first layer is invitation. The middle layer is, um, no, no. The first layer is, information the second layer is invitation and the third layer is inspiration and those three r's very very simply work together and they're kind of the degrees of comparison to like i was saying so like you were saying there now often we think that facebook is just about giving people information like come to like um yes our church has a little bit of information or if we kind of take a step down is it actually just becomes an information board. Come to the next event or come to the next thing or we'd love for you to be part of this thing or come to this thing or hopefully we'll see you at 8 o'clock at our women's breakfast or come to this thing and we'll see you at that thing. No, people don't care, to be honest. Mm. The bottom layer, though, on the other hand, is where inspiration happens. And it takes a powerful story to inspire people to go from one point to another. Right. And if we can inspire people, now we're onto something. That's it. Yeah, it's really good. And in the social media world, right now, I genuinely believe there are no rules. It is open season, man. Yeah. Um, it is open season. And if anything, I actually think we're being a little bit conservative 
when it comes to this thing. Yeah. I actually think we're being conservative. Yeah. That's good stuff, Dino. Um, we've got to wrap it up. It's been beautiful thoughts. Thank you for sharing. Um, if people want to find stuff that you've done, if people are inspired by your work, want to get hold of you, find something that you've created, written, made, where could they do that kind of thing? Um, yeah, thank you, man. Um, it's, it's Dean Cotill um, just about everywhere. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, um, deancotill.co.za. Um, email address is very, very easy, dean at deancotill.co.za. Send me an email. I'd love to assist or help in any way that I can. Um, had a band at one stage. We did a thing. Um, <laughs> um, I wrote a book a very long time ago. Which, you know, the more I think about this, Matt, I really hope that we can sit down at some point and deep dive this a little bit. You know that book that I wrote where I tried to translate the Bible using BBM language for people? I do. I do. Way ahead of your time there, bro. How crazy is that, bro? Yeah, I remember that. That just, if you're listening to this, that just gives you a, a little insight into Dean's brain. He's always thinking, literally, he's always thinking about that kind of stuff. Like uh, nobody's thinking about that. And he, I think you rewrote, did you write, you didn't rewrite the whole Bible. No, no, just the gospel of John. Yeah. Into like yeah. BBM. If you don't know what BBM is, <laughs> uh, it was, a, <laughs> it was a message platform that used to exist that no longer exists because it didn't adapt quickly enough because it got stuck in the past. That's a thought for you. There you go. Right there. Like Nokia. Yeah. Sorry about that. There you go. Um, yeah, bro. Okay. So could they get hold of that book? Is that somewhere they could get it? Uh, they could email it's not you. print anymore. Um, but here's the stupid thing is I printed it. Makes no sense. Why would you go like technological <laughs> and then put it on paper? It's <laughs> uh, <that's> glorious. <laughs> uh, so I might have a PDF somewhere, funny enough. Um, so maybe okay. I must find the PDF and do something with it. Yeah, you yeah should, I don't know. Um, but yeah, the website and, and Dean Cotill on all the socials um, is, is amazing, man. Beautiful. And then uh, resources that you can direct people to. What are you listening to, reading right now? What, are you watch- what is the stuff that's really inspiring you? Um, before COVID, I actually had fasted music for a whole year, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I love music deeply, but um, I really have worked hard to try and consume podcasts. That's my kind of go-to. So Carrie Newhoff is a is a an, uh, uh, a must for me just about every single week. Um, the Hillsong guys um, uh, have the creative con the, the creative podcast, which comes out on a regular basis. Um, then I'm, I'm trying to keep up to date as much as possible. Um, I'm going to pick up my phone here to see what's kind of loading on my podcast at the moment. Um, um, I um, absolutely love uh, what the the kind of history part of me enjoys Pete ends and the Bible for the normal people. So they, they get into a lot of the history and theology things. Um, And then um, Instagram is where I kind of go to next. Uh, I'm trying to keep up to date with what the, the world is doing, um, the Hillsongs and the Elevations. And um, Hillsong and Elevation, I believe, are really leading the way when it comes to online church things. Um, 
I think Stephen Furtick and those guys at Elevation are doing incredible, incredible things with their eFam. If you can check out their eFam on Facebook, they're releasing lots of resources all the time in terms of how to stay up to date with those things. Um, uh, and, and that's about my weekly. I hope that answers that question um, appropriately. Yeah, and, and I think that's a, it's a good thought to think about in terms of if you find yourself in the sphere of communication, media, etc., be selective about who you follow and make yeah. sure that, uh, that one of the things I'm learning in a little mantra I'm developing for myself is I want to be um, a selective follower and a prolific contributor. So I want, to, I want to share as much with anybody that will listen to the story that I believe is for everybody who can listen. Uh, but I yeah. want to be selective about the things that are informing my mind because yeah. I'm aware that uh, there's just so much noise out there and I don't want to be distracted by all those things. So I would just say, touching on Dean's point there, is that if you find yourself in the sphere um, and you feel like you're called into this place for kingdom purposes, just be selective about who you're following and follow guys who are pushing the envelope, but follow guys who are inspiring you and follow guys who are pulling the best out of you and giving you ideas and fresh perspectives on some things. You know? Yeah, that's right. It's very good. Yeah. Cool guys. Uh, Dean, thank you so much for being on the follow up podcast. Uh, it's been really good. Matt, to have you. I, um, this has been amazing. I appreciate that so much. Thank you so much, bro. Bless you, man. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. And just before you go, I wanted to ask you to do three things. Number one, go across to the YouTube channel, Matt Lewis 516 Subscribe and turn on notifications. Uh, the reason for that is that every single one of these audio sessions has a video session as well. So by subscribing and turning on notifications, you can stay up to date with all of those sessions. Number two, go to Instagram, Matt Lewis 516 and follow there. The reason for that is that we're putting out all kinds of different content in addition to the follower podcast that may also be helpful for you. And number three, go to mattlewis.co.za if you haven't already and sign up for the quarterly newsletter, the latest. Uh, this will give you information on everything I've been doing, uh, everything I will be doing and how you can get involved with that. It also, with time, will give you first dibs on events that we're organizing when we can start to meet together again. Um, and I'd love for you to be a part of that story. This is just my little way of making the first contact of the internet start to move toward actual connection and community, which is really my heart behind all of this. Because whatever it means for us to really follow Jesus in the world today, I really believe we're going to have to do that together. So do those three things, the Instagram, the YouTube, and the website, and that helps us move from contact to connection. Thanks, and we'll see you in the next session.